This is Real Housewives of the Kingdom, a sweet space where you'll hear from the hearts of fellow housewives in the kingdom of God, some just like you and some really different in various walks of life. We will talk about how God is walking with us through the good and the hard. I pray you'll be encouraged and entertained as we laugh and sometimes cry together. Most of all, I hope it reminds you we're in this together and you are not alone. Hey everybody, on today's episode, I am talking all about my experience with endometriosis, and that includes an emergency surgery and another surgery. And I do go into some detail about my surgeries and some of the things I experienced. So I would just recommend if you have little ears listening that you either pop in your headphones or listen at a different time. Hey everybody, welcome back to Real Housewives of the Kingdom. This is Caroline Rogers, your host. And today I am not in the middle of a series of any kind. I am just here to talk about something that happened to me almost seven years ago. And it is a story that I feel like really shows God's faithfulness. And that is as you know, one of the reasons why I do this podcast. So I like to share these stories to remind you and myself really of all of the things that God has done and who he is and his involvement in my life. We are right around the corner from my birthday. And no, I didn't say birthday. I said burst day. And that was May 12th, 2015, so seven years ago. And you may be wondering what that is. Well, I am about to tell you the sordid tale. We were on tour, me and my hubby, with a company that we work with that does Cirque-style live shows. And we were at the end of tour and we were getting ready to head back home. My hubby at the time drove the 20-foot box truck that carried all of the show and the things for the show. He was also in the show and built the show and all of those good things. I did costuming and merchandise on tour. So it was a fun season for us when we got to do that. And we were in New England when the tour ended. On our drive back to the West Coast, my husband's cousin was getting married. And they had asked my husband to officiate. And they were going to be getting married in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee, which was on our way home to the West Coast. And so the company we were working for was okay with us taking a detour through there for a couple of days so that we could enjoy the festivities, but ultimately we were on our way home. So on May 12th, 2015, we were headed through New York and New Jersey, and we were on the George Washington Bridge, and there was an immense amount of traffic, and it became very apparent to me that I needed to use the bathroom very badly. My bladder felt like it was going to explode, and I told my husband, but there was really nothing we could do. We were on the bridge and there was nowhere to pull off. There was nowhere to be. We didn't have a cup in the cab of the car. I mean, I was just kind of stuck there. He said, as soon as we get to an exit, I will exit. Well, we carried through New York and as we got into New Jersey, there was a travel stop exit. And so we pulled off to use the restroom. I had to go so bad that my husband literally didn't even park. He just pulled in and let me jump out of the car. There was a fair amount of pain involved at this point. And as I walked up to the door of the travel stop, I caught my reflection And I thought it was so weird because I looked and my stomach looked like it was hanging over my shorts. This was not a normal thing for me or my body now, but I could just tell something looked weird. And I thought, oh man, wow, I really have to pee so bad that like you can see how um, full my body is and ready to need to relieve itself. So I sit down to go to the bathroom and it becomes apparent to me that and have 
just a really intense amount of pain. And I can't even quite tell you it was not like an explosive pain, but it was more like a pain that after I went to the bathroom, it just, the pain didn't end. And then it just got worse and worse and worse. And I realized something was wrong and I stood up and thought, oh my gosh, I'm gonna pass out. And I figured, oh my goodness, I need to get out of this stall. So I had texted my husband, I'm not doing so good. So when I came out, I honestly couldn't even button my shorts. And I felt like I couldn't breathe. And I was not really sure what was going on. And so I went over to my husband and he was asking me what was going on. And I said, I, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I'm in a lot of pain and I could barely talk. And he's like, maybe, maybe you need some fresh air. So we head outside. Um, I basically collapse on the ground and start vomiting in the bushes, right? Uh, outside of the travel stop. I'm continuing to feel like breathing is getting harder and harder and harder. And my hubby's asking me, what are you feeling? What can I do? Do you need to go to the doctor? Do you need to go to the hospital? And quite honestly, I couldn't even answer him. I had never felt what I was feeling before. As I was sitting there and I was thinking, well, if I can't breathe, then I might die. And honestly, in that moment, I have to say, I had zero fear. I had so much peace wash over me, right as I couldn't breathe. And I told the Lord, I said, okay, Lord, if it's my time, you can take me. I'm ready if, if you need to take me home. And it was, that was kind of cool because I think sometimes in those kind of moments where people have near-death experiences that sometimes people feel afraid, sometimes people feel unsure, but I have to tell you, I was never more in my entire life more aware of God's presence near me than I was right in that moment. And so I really had no fear right at that moment, and it was such a sweet thing. I was still in a lot of pain. I still couldn't breathe. I was still struggling. And so I said to the Lord, I said, I need help. And right as I said, I need help, the, a man walks right up immediately and says, hi, I'm an off-duty EMT. I just wanted to let you know there's so many good hospitals in the area. Please don't hesitate to go to one. We, me and my hubby both paused and looked at him and I threw up again in the bushes and he said, I'm calling 911. And that was such a gift. And I am absolutely positive that it was an angel because I have no idea where that man went. He never followed up. And our family actually has multiple stories of off-duty EMTs who just show up right at the right moment and then disappear. So that is my opinion, that it was an angel and that God just, the minute that I asked help, Lord, he sent somebody. So he calls 911 and a police officer actually pulls up and puts me in the squad car and it was like a big SUV. I think they thought I was having heat stroke because it was warm, but I mean, it wasn't that hot. And I couldn't really voice what I was feeling. Um, I mean, my entire body felt like pins and needles stinging all inside of it, all over it. And I was feeling increasingly weaker. And as I'm sitting in the, in the cop car, they're blasting the AC on me. I mean, my husband really did all that he could, but I wasn't giving him any signals. And of course, all of, all of this that I'm saying happened within a matter of five minutes. I mean, we're not talking like I was sitting around for 30 minutes and my husband wasn't doing anything. He was trying to get me to tell him what I needed. He was probably about to make a decision, but the Lord just kind of helped us out and got an ambulance on the way. So ambulance makes it there. I get in the ambulance and they're taking my vitals and bring me into the hospital. And it was so crazy because 
like I mentioned before, my hubby drives the 20 foot box truck. Okay, literally one, five minutes earlier before the George Washington Bridge, a couple hours earlier, we would have been in New York City. And if you are familiar with how New York City is with parking, even if you have a small vehicle, trying to find a parking spot can be very difficult and expensive. And the same goes for if you have a big truck. I mean, imagine if we had tried to handle this situation if we had been in New York City. So that was like one of the first things that I feel like it was God's provision that all of this kind of started to go down afterwards so that we were already in New Jersey. So they take me to a hospital and in Teaneck, New Jersey, Holy Name Medical Center, they take me through and start doing blood work on me, start trying to figure out what's going on. I am in this point, the pain just continues to rise. I, I've never been in so much pain in all my life. And so they are giving me morphine, they are giving me um, just anything to try and at least get my body calm so that I so that they can figure out what was going on. And I mean the morphine kind of helped, kind of. The only way it worked was that if I sat completely still and didn't move, it was bad. So they figure out that I have a really high white blood cell count. And so they're like, okay, we're going to keep you overnight. Um, we don't know what's going on. We are giving you same antibiotics because there's just something going on and we can't figure it out. So they put an IV in me and take me up to, they have just like a little area where people who are in the emergency can stay overnight. And it was so sweet because we're very, very far from home. And they let my husband stay with me in the hospital and they wheeled this other bed, hospital bed up next to mine and let him sleep next to me in the hospital. And I have to say like, I that is not normal. And I have since then, been in and around hospitals. I knew it wasn't normal then, but I have since been in and around hospitals and know that like it is very rare for them to do something like that. So um, I just was so grateful for that. So they are running all of these tests. They can't figure things out. That is what happened on the 12th. We wake up the next morning and my hubby goes outside. Uh, he says he's going to go down to the commissary to get food. I, of course, was not hungry, was still in excruciating amounts of pain. They're still giving me heavy, heavy pain meds to try and just keep me comfortable. And they keep asking me, of course, uh, when was your last period? You know, because I think they they thought I either had a burst appendix, uh, but they did check for that and realized that's not what it was. I think they thought that I was having a miscarriage. I had had a period recently, so, you know, and I knew that I wasn't pregnant. I actually had the NuvaRing birth control in at the time. And so my hu hubby comes back in and he said, uh, I just got off the phone with Jeff. That's his cousin who was getting married. And he goes, and I let him know we won't be there. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and he goes, babe, <laughs> we're, we're not going to make it out of the hospital tonight. I'm sorry, but that we're not going to make it to the wedding. And then I cried because <laughs> I was sad because I was looking forward to being at their wedding. So then they send in a floor doc, come, walks in and looks at me and says, well, your white blood cell count is still really high. Um, all I can think is leukemia. He literally said that. He just threw that out there. And honestly, I didn't let that really phase me. It didn't, didn't, but it just kind of hit me like, okay, could you have a worse bedside manner to like throw out something as serious as leukemia, like immediately? They say, you know what, we're gonna bring in our resident OBGYN. He is great, and I have a feeling he's going to maybe have an idea of what's going on. So he comes in, and he is like the nicest man, <laughs> and he says to me, I think this has something to do with your ovaries or something, We but we need to get in there, and we need to look. We're going to do an ultrasound, but I believe we're going to have to do surgery pretty quickly. What we found out later was my body was going into toxic shock. They take me in for an ultrasound and um, they can't see anything at this point. It was 
awful. <laughs> that was awful because it was just so much pain. Still, even though they were keeping me really, really um, good with pain meds, it was nothing was touching it. Um, and so he says, we can't see anything. We're going to operate right now. Right then I remembered that our really dear friends, the Rainies, lived in Manhattan and that we were pretty dang close to them. And so mention it to my husband. He messages them and says, hey, this is what's going on. We're at the hospital. We were literally seven miles from their house. That's how close it was to between New York and New Jersey where we were at. I mean, we literally had just crossed over into New Jersey. Them along with their preemie brand new baby boy who had just been brought home from the hospital a month prior come to the head towards the hospital. They tell me, you know, we'll figure out what's going on once we open you up and we get inside. And so, and I'm like, great, like either I need to like die and go to heaven right now, or you need to figure out what's going on because I can't live like this. I mean, this is all happening pretty quickly. They take me on the gurney and I kid you not, I felt like I was on a TV show like a, or a movie, in like a hospital movie, because they're like running me down the hall and they burst me through the doors. And as they're bursting me through the doors, immediately a scripture pops in my head. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And I was like, I have read that before, but I do not remember memorizing it. And it was so crazy because that popped in right as they broke through the doors. That was the, that was the scripture that popped in my head. And I took a deep breath of peace. I was still in excruciating amounts of pain. They move me to the operating table and, and start to put me under. And in reality, it could have been very scary, but really like the Lord was so near and he brought to mind scripture. And this is why it's so important to just continue to read God's word because the Holy Spirit can bring it to mind right in the moment that you need it. So I go through surgery and when I come out of surgery, I find that our friends have arrived. Um, they sat with my hubby through the surgery, which I am incredibly grateful for. And what they find is that I had an endometrioma, which is a cyst caused by endometriosis. And I'll read you the what endometriosis is. So endometriosis is, and this is from uh, just definition on the internet from Google, um, endometriosis is an often painful disorder in which tissue similar to the tissue that normally lines the inside of your uterus, the endometrium, grows outside your uterus. Endometriosis most commonly involves your ovaries, fallopian tubes, and the tissue lining your pelvis. And I had had a cyst the size of a grapefruit, and it had started to grow inside my right ovary. And it had grown to that size. So I'd had painful periods previously, and pretty dang painful. And it was so interesting because I thought, everybody had painful periods like that. I mean, I really just thought that's just how it is. So I just want to say, if you're listening to this, and if your periods are so painful that four ibuprofen, two Tylenol, um, do not even touch the pain that you're experiencing, go and see a doctor. That is not normal. That is the kind of pain meds that I took on a daily basis all the way throughout every period I would have. Sometimes we would be like leaving to go somewhere and I would have to go get in the shower and let the hot water hit my belly because I was in so much pain, even after having pain meds. And I don't know why I thought that that was normal, but Apparently, I just did. So once they told me that I had a cyst the size of a grapefruit inside my right ovary, I was like, oh, <laughs> and that's probably why I was in so much pain all of the time. And so it just kind of, you know, light bulb went off and at least explained some of the things that I was dealing with. So basically what I was experiencing at the truck stop and all the way through until they gave me surgery was my body was going into toxic shock. So the doctor explained regular cysts, 
uh, that are new blood grow fairly quickly and recently, and then they burst. Those are painful too. Those can be really painful, um, but your body can reabsorb that blood. Uh, the endometrioma, we don't know how long it had been growing for, but it was old blood kind of trapped inside of my ovary. So once it burst the ovary open, all of the particles for everything was just kind of swirling around in my body. And that was why I was having so much pain. And that's why my body was going into toxic shock. So it was really good that we were able to get to a hospital and that Dr. Angler had the common sense to just say, I need to operate on you right now because otherwise we wouldn't have seen it. And you cannot get an endometriosis diagnosis without them seeing inside of you. They really can't tell unless they look inside of you. And if you start having cysts, they might surgically remove it and then be able to tell uh, that it was an endometrioma. Um, so anyway, that was a lot. He repaired my right ovary. My hubby and I don't have children. We have never felt like it was something God called us to so I was not concerned about losing my ovary, but I think he definitely was trying to make sure that um, if I still wanted to have kids, uh, that I would be able to. I was nearly 32 at this point. So he explained that my body was going to take a lot longer to heal than a normal surgery, whatever, because my body had gone through quite a bit uh, in the, that short span. And it was sweet. Our friends took my hubby back to their house so that he could shower and have a nice meal. And one of the other cool miracles, like I said, so we weren't in New York City, so trying to find a parking spot for the truck. Holy Name Medical Center is literally in the middle of a suburban neighborhood. And there is loads of street parking everywhere, seven miles from Manhattan. It's so wild because my hubby was literally able to park the truck behind the hospital. He never had any issues. There were no tickets. There was no towing. And so it was just literally like God plopped us right there. Dr. Englert told me that I would be staying in the hospital for probably around a week to recover from this. And then that I would not be allowed to fly or should probably not travel for a couple of weeks. So my hubby heads home with our friends for the night. And it was so crazy too, because they lived right next door to a bus station with a bus that took you directly to that hospital. And so for that whole week that I was in the hospital, my hubby was able to just come and see me and be able to hop on a bus to get back to where they were. And so that was just incredible. In the coming days, the doctor kind of explained to me some of the things that were going to happen. He said that endometriomas generally grow when you bleed. And so when you have endometriosis, they usually like to get you on a birth control that stops you from bleeding. And that that's usually the best possible way to make you not grow another cyst. So he recommended a particular birth control, but said, you know, it would be several weeks before I got on that, you know, after healing. And it was a pretty rough recovery. I mean, there was my hubby told me after I got out of surgery or probably the next morning, he told me there was a window at the end of the hall and you could see New York City. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to see New York City. <laughs> it began to be my goal to get to the end of the hall and see New York City. So they had me, they didn't, uh, catheter me. They actually had me get up and go to the bathroom. It was very, very difficult, very painful. I had about enough energy to get to the bathroom that was four feet from my bed and get back to the bed. And then I would sleep <laughs> for a couple of hours. I mean, it was very, very rough. But I have to say, I felt so taken care of there. The staff there was just absolutely incredible. And Dr. Dr. Angler was incredible and just really took such good care of me. And later I looked him up. He comes up as like one of the number one OBGYNs in the country. And so it's so crazy because it's like the Lord, like let this, allowed this cyst to grow. And then it burst all the way on the other side of the country, right near 
one of the top OBGYNs in the entire country. Like there were articles that were like, medical magazine rates Christopher Englert, the number one OBGYN in the country and um, most caring OBGYN. And through my whole stay at the hospital, the nurses were like, oh, Dr. Englert's my doctor. Dr. Englert's my doctor. And you know, when when all the nurses go to him, that he's a pretty phenomenal doctor. So eventually they let me take a shower and they told my hubby he could come and help me. When I saw my scars, I just cried and cried and cried. I mean, it just looked so ugly and it was just so, um, such a weird feeling to see your body look like that. Um, and my hubby just held me gently and just told me how beautiful I was. And, um, it was just, it was really sweet. Um, and eventually I did make it all the way to the end of the hall to see New York city. And, um, if you go to the show notes, you'll be able to see, um, all of the pictures from the time all of this happened. So my hubby had to head back with the truck. Our sweet friends took me in for those couple of weeks until I was cleared to fly. And man, like the recovery, like I said, I finally got to the point where I could walk to the end of the hall, but I would walk so slow. And when I was first walking with my friend by her house, there was like a Starbucks, like a half a block away. Doctor had said, you know, you do need to walk. That's something you need to do every day. She would patiently walk with me, but literally I had like old ladies passing me on the sidewalk annoyed at me because of how slow I was walking. And I think because I looked young and, you know, I didn't look like I had anything wrong with me. So people I think were really not expecting it. And so my hubby said, man, I should have gotten you a cane because at least if you had a cane, people might go, oh, something's something's wrong with that girl. Like I literally, one time when we were walking to the Starbucks, I had a truck literally turn like he was so impatient for us to get across the crosswalk. And I mean, I swear he could, I could like, you know, he like brushed my butt with his, with his truck. Cause he was so impatient, but, um, you know, that was just how it was. And realistically, I would say it took a good six to eight months before I actually had my full, not even my full energy back, but to where, I would be able to walk without uh, sit and rest in between. That was definitely a process. So I stayed for the two weeks with my friend and she took me to doctor's appointments and they took such good care of me. And honestly, it caused me to slow down. It really did. And I learned so much by not being able to go to a wedding I'd planned to go to, by this thing just kind of coming right in my path and trusting the Lord for it without having control over how it all ended up. And there was really nothing else I could do. And um, even though it was a painful time and a very uncertain time, uh, I do have very sweet memories with my friend just sitting and chatting and cuddling her sweet little baby. It was just, you know, it was a sweet time. My hubby flew back to New York to pick me up to fly back home. The doctor had put me on low, low estrogen Fay, which is like a low estrogen birth control. And it's supposed to, supposed to make you stop bleeding. He had had many patients with success with it. And so, um, and as I said, I was not opposed to being on birth control. I had been on NuvaRing, but that was obviously not doing the trick previously. Ultimately, I had hoped that this treatment was gonna do the trick and I was never gonna have another cyst again. It actually on Pinterest went on and when I was at my friend's house and looked up endometriosis and endometriosis surgery, and I probably shouldn't have looked up endometriosis surgery because let me tell you, that almost made me wanna throw up because just knowing how I felt and seeing there were some pretty graphic photos and I really wasn't ready to see that. Um, so a word uh, of warning if you, like I would not look that up if you do not want, um, if you have a queasy stomach or if you've just gotten surgery, you might not want to see what actually happened. I had read multiple accounts about women who had had multiple surgeries. I mean, like getting cysts removed. Oh, I've had 15 surgeries. I've had 20 surgeries. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to go through that again. Like I never want to get another surgery. So I was really bent on not getting another cyst and not having to have surgery. And I kind of felt like if I have faith, it won't happen, right? Um, and that was kind of what was in my head. Well, I recovered, was feeling even great, actually. I, I mean, I was walking really slow and then the surgery pain um, and my like, energy level was kind of low, but I felt amazing. Like I couldn't believe how sick I had been feeling and didn't even realizing it. Literally getting that thing out of my body was like such a lifesaver. Hey everyone, we're back with an exciting update. By now, you may have heard about our premarital guidance course that we've had in the works. It's a course you can purchase and take on your own time from the comfort of your home at a pace that works for you and your fiance. And we finally have a release date. Hubby, drum roll please. <laughs> September 8, 2022. Whoop, whoop. That's right, the course will be launching on our 20th wedding anniversary. I'm just so excited to offer some incredible tools for you to take into marriage so you can have your best chance to beat the 50% of marriages that are ending in divorce. Hey baby. Yeah? I've got an idea. How about offering special pricing for everyone who buys in the month of September in honor of our 20th wedding anniversary? Oh, I love that. If you or anyone you know are getting married and looking for a little guidance prior to walking down the aisle, be sure to pass the word on. Stay tuned to Real Housewives of the Kingdom for details coming soon on where to sign up and what you can expect from the course and pricing, including our special deal. Now, back to the show. And I felt great for a while. And at the beginning to, yeah, first couple months in 2017, um, I started to bleed a little bit during when I would have a period. And it does say that that could happen, but I, you know, was bummed. And then I started having a little bit of pain. And then, and then I just started to not feel good again. I, I could tell and because I had just felt so good and then stopped feeling good, I could tell something was wrong. I pulled my doctor and she said, okay, well, we can do an ultrasound. And sure enough, I had a cyst in the same ovary. And that was such a bummer. I was really bummed that that was there. Then I thought, why in the heck did he save my ovary? <laughs> if he would have just freaking taken it out, <laughs> I wouldn't have a cyst in there right now. She advises me, well, let's just see what it does. Let's keep an eye on it. And I'm thinking, this is an endometrioma. This is the same thing I had. And she's like, well, let's check it again in six months and see what happens. But she checks it again. Now it's like spring and it's grown a little. And so I go online and I'm like, I'm gonna get rid of this thing naturally. So I find all of these things about getting rid of cysts. And I find an anti-inflammatory diet and I find like the endometriosis diet, which is like a low hormone diet because the cause of endometriosis is too much estrogen in your body. I go on this diet basically cold turkey, and I've never at this point been on a diet in my entire life where I ate no chicken, no beef, no eggs, no cheese, no dairy at all, no sugar, no soy, no coffee, no gluten, no alcohol. You may ask, well, then what did you eat? Well, quite honestly, it was pretty miserable, though I at the time was determined. I can't say that I felt overwhelmed by it realistically because I literally pictured every time and I was doing all these things like there was like a drink you would make with blackstrap molasses and apple cider vinegar that was supposed to help it. I mean, I was doing any and all things you could think of to shrink this cyst. My hubby did it with me. That was sweet, but it was also hard. And we would go to the grocery store and he would look at the cheese and go, I miss cheese. <laughs> you know, like the cheese aisle with all the fun cheeses. And I missed it too, but I was just bent on making myself better and getting rid of this cyst so I didn't have to have another surgery again. I went back in to check to see if the cyst had grown and it had, it didn't help at all. And I did more research and found that endometriomas don't shrink. 
they don't shrink in a traditional way that another cyst might shrink. It was sort of for naught, and I decided, well, if that didn't help, then I'm going to introduce back in the foods that I love and um, still kind of keep an eye on the anti-inflammatory thing, but, um, you know, no point in being miserable with what you're eating and drinking in life if if it's not helping you in what you thought it was gonna be helping you in. The second time when we saw that the cyst had grown, my doctor started recommending surgery. And I was like, no, I'm gonna try this diet. And she said, I really think you should have surgery. So then when the diet didn't work and I came back in, I said, okay, I'm gonna have surgery. And I tell her that I want her to take the ovary out when she does. And she's, tells me you're so young. And I'm like, I am nearly 35 years old. I would be a geriatric pregnancy if I got pregnant right now. I am not so young. I do not want to keep this ovary. I want you to take it out. I I would prefer to not have to get a bunch of surgeries. And in my mind, that was a good way to hopefully not have to have surgery again, not have to grow another cyst. She schedules the surgery and it, over and over again. Are you sure you want to take out your ovary? Are you sure? Well, and I'm like, yes, I'm sure. Finally, I'm sitting down to sign all my paperwork and I have to sign a whole bunch of paperwork anyway saying we might get in there and have to remove your whole reproductive system. I really hated that she fought me on it, but then I have to sign a paper basically handing it over, you know? So I'm like, no, when you're in there, just take it. The first doctor repaired the ovary. I got, had another cyst in under two years and I just do not want to deal with this again. So on December 4, 2017, I had surgery and this time I had it in at Huntington Hospital in Pasadena, actually the hospital that my hubby was born at. They removed the ovary like I asked. Surgery went fine and this time the recovery was a lot different. It was quicker in the sense that I had energy quicker and the scars and things like that healed a little bit quicker, but I never felt as good as I felt after that first surgery where I just literally felt like all the poison was out of my body. After this surgery, I don't know, I just didn't feel great and I was still having pain and um, that was just such a bummer to me. And that cyst had grown to about the size of a pear. So, um, I mean, it was pretty good size. So um, it was definitely good that I had it out. You know, it's funny because I think I really tried to take into my own hands how to heal myself, you know, through diet, do this, take out my ovary, of course prayed. And I of course feel like God had been in so much of my first surgery, my burst day. And, and we call it my birthday day because it's the day the cyst burst. Um, I don't think I said that earlier. So I had felt like God had had his hand in it, but I just really wanted to be healed. But yet I was still just kind of bound by it. And I I could hear the Lord tell me like in my discouragement after the surgery, do you want to be healed? And I thought, yeah, yeah, Lord, I want to be healed. I think I didn't completely believe it could happen. I think the discouragement from the cyst coming back was so difficult that I think I just wanted to set myself up for disappointment, like not expect something good, despite the fact that God has done so many amazing things in my life. I was thinking about the woman in Luke 8, 43 through 48. I'll read the account. So Jesus is in his ministry. He is uh, going through the crowds and with his disciples on his way to heal someone. And uh, this is where we find ourselves. As he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman having the flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, master, the multitudes throng and press you and you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me for I perceived power going out from me. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people, the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go 
in peace. So that story had kind of come into my mind and in my heart with my own battle with endometriosis. And we were at, or I was at a Bible study, a women's Bible study with some family friends of ours, ladies that I've done Bible study with since I was young. And the Lord said to me, do you want to be healed? And then at the very end, we were just praying like you do, you know, for, you know, who does, does anyone have a prayer request? And the Lord said, do you want to be healed (laughs) again? And I blurted me, I have a prayer request. I'm like, I'm just done. I'm done with this. This is so frustrating and overwhelming and I want to be healed. And so the ladies gathered around me and they prayed for me. And as they were praying, I felt something turn over inside of my lower abdomen. And it was wild. And in my mind, I thought, oh my gosh, I've been healed. Despite that incredible thing, I, and I did have less pain after that. I was still a little bit afraid. I suppose that a cyst would come back. You know, I was just afraid still. I saw a clinical trial for endometriosis and I thought, Lord, I believe you healed me, but I'm going to just do this clinical trial, you know? And I, and I had seen it, like it kind of popped in front of me. There was like a bus that drove by with it and then a billboard and it just kind of kept popping up around me. So I thought, okay, well maybe I'm supposed to take this medicine. So I went in and I have to say the clinical trial, I felt like a lab rat. So the medicine um, sort of sort of helped again, like dumbed down the pain a bit. But I had to get uterine biopsies every six months while I was on it. And those were horribly, horribly, horribly painful. And not as bad as my cyst bursting um, inside of me, but pretty bad. So the six months came up and I did it and it was so bad. And then when it was kind of coming around to the year mark and praying like, Lord, did I step out and do this clinical trial outside of your will? Did you want me to just trust that you healed me when I asked for healing and when everyone prayed for me and when I felt something move inside of me, did you want me to just trust you? And I'm sorry that I didn't, um, but now I just don't like this clinical trial. So I just was crying out before the Lord for it. I feel like he told me, I will use you either way, whether you are on this medicine or whether you are not. I'm going to leave it up to you, basically, is what I felt like he was telling me. So I decided to just go off of it because I realized I really don't want to get another uterine biopsy. So I went off of the clinical trial, went to my doctor. We tried a NuvaRing again just to see if that would work, but this time I like kept it in constantly to try to keep myself from bleeding. Um, but I was still bleeding, still still a bit of pain, not nearly as much. I, after I was prayed for, I didn't have the same kind of pain, but um, again, after the NuvaRing didn't work to stop me from bleeding, um, she had mentioned an IUD would be a really good thing and that that has shown to have some really good success with endometriosis and with cysts and things like that. So I decided to go for it. And that was in spring of 2020, um, I got the IUD put in. And that was kind of painful, but eventually, you know, after the process of getting it in and kind of recovering from that, um, I haven't bled again. And um, I have some pain, but uh, not, still not, loads of pain. And as far as I know, I don't have a another cyst growing inside of me. It's definitely always in the back of my mind. And it's so interesting because I think about Paul and I think about how he was a man who was filled with faith. He had so much faith, like God, the way God called him on the road to Damascus when he blinded him and knocked him off his horse and then revealed himself to him. I mean, like Paul had seen so many things that God could do and he had so much faith. His letters to the early church are incredible and show us his faith. And yet he battled physical infirmities. And we can find in 2 Corinthians 12, 6 through 10, it says, For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. 
but I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I just think that for me, even though I had read this group of scriptures, I mean, more times than I can count all the way through my life growing up, I mean, this last piece that Paul is talking about has really impacted me. And my opinion of what healing is and what God's opinion of what healing is, I think can be two different things. And I think that I have been healed to the extent that I trust the Lord with my body completely. And I don't feel like my body is my own. And I feel like I want to use my talents, my gifts my body for the glory of God. And so if this is part of the thing that helps shape my character so that I will be able to boast only in God for getting me through things. So I want to say, Lord, thank you for allowing endometriosis to rear its ugly head so that I can see your hand. I think about, I've been reading through in Exodus when the Israelites were watching the plagues uh, in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh let them go and how God used hardship and difficulty to show his mighty hand. And so sometimes he allows us to witness and experience things, whether in our own bodies or just before our eyes, that are hard and ugly and scary but these are the things that contrast his glory and contrast his goodness. And the truth of the matter is I can look back at every part of my situation from my birthday to today and the past seven years that I have walked this journey of endometriosis that I wouldn't trade the lessons that I've learned. And of course, I don't prefer the pain, and I hope I don't have to have surgery again. But really, at the same time, if that ends up happening, it happens. And I'm at a much different place than I was when it all first happened. I battled with having control over life and over circumstances at the time. You know, that was definitely something that was the beginning of the Lord teaching me how to be still and to wait on Him. And you know, I just think about how these bodies of ours are just temporary here on earth and that that is the hope that we have in Christ and in being saved by him and in accepting him as our personal Lord and Savior, that this isn't it and that these momentary trials, these momentary thorns in the flesh, these momentary infirmities that push us closer to him are beautiful things that can help us see his glory. I think about that worship song that says, he is jealous for me, loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. And all of the sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory then I realize just how beautiful you are and how a great your affection is for me. Oh, how he loves me. And I uh, additionally think about Job and all of the stuff that Job went through and how, you know, he says to God, you know, though he slay, slay me, I will still love him. Prior to me walking through endometriosis, 
I, I thought God was good before I battled it. And even during that time, I watched other people battle really hard, horrible things. And yet I still believed God was good and that he was working for me on my behalf. And that has not changed. And so my own, my own struggle, my own difficulty, my own battle with my infirmity that I have dealt with has only pushed me closer to the heart of Jesus. And so ultimately on this end of it, I'm grateful. I think it's important to redefine what being blessed by the Lord means. If you take society's opinion of it, you know, the hashtag blessed, it can mean one thing. And sure, even some of that, if you are truly giving glory to God for good things, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think we need to find blessing even in the hard and even in the not understandable circumstances of our lives and the things that we may never, until we walk into eternity, we may never understand why God allowed us to go through. We have no control over exactly what happens to us, but what we do have control over is where we turn when something does happen to us and how we respond when something happens to us. So this year, like all the other years, since my very first first day, I will be celebrating because to me, it was a day where the Lord showed himself really mighty. The Lord was so near to me. I will never forget it. I will never forget what it felt like to feel him so near and to feel no fear and completely ready to walk into eternity. I hope you can find the strength to celebrate your own burst days, that you can celebrate the days where the bad thing happened, but that God was with you and that you'll be able to put your finger on those moments and turn and celebrate, even if it was a hardship even if there was pain involved. But today, I just want to close with praying for you and remind you that if you have any questions for me about endometriosis or any questions about my experience in the hospital or with the doctors or whatnot, you can comment on my website. You can find me on Instagram or on Facebook and message me. I would be happy to let you know anything you need to know. I'm gonna close in prayer. Lord, I come to you right now and I pray for anybody listening. Lord, I pray for anybody battling endometriosis or any other infirmity that they feel so overwhelmed by and feel like they don't understand why they're having to deal with this right now, Lord. Um, I pray that you would bring them peace. I pray that you would draw them closer to you, Lord. I pray that they would seek you and draw closer to you because of the infirmity. And Lord, I pray that you would bring them relief. Uh, in within their infirmity, even if it's something that will remain to a certain extent. I pray that they see your goodness, Lord, and that they see who you are and your heart for them and your heart for us, that it's not about us being comfortable, but you care about our hearts and our character. So we thank you for that, Lord, and we thank you for the miracles that you have done. And we thank you for showing up in our stories and we give you all the glory. Amen. Okay, friends, that's it for today. I'm truly grateful you joined us. If you think others would be encouraged by this episode, you can easily share it by taking a screenshot and adding it to your stories or feed. You can also text it to a friend. New episodes are available every Friday. Be sure to subscribe so you can catch them all. You can find and interact with me on Facebook and Instagram at Married Rogers Neighborhood, as well as my website, which I linked in the show notes. If you enjoyed the show today, I would so appreciate if you could take a second to rate and give a five-star review. It helps more people find it, which makes a huge difference for me and the podcast. Just remember, we are in this together. God loves you, and you are not alone. See you next time.